Hello, welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 128. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Hope everybody's doing well. As I record this, we are on the eve of the American Independence Day holiday, getting our uh, you know, drills ready and our flags put up and uh, fireworks uh ready to launch. Dogs all over the country are freaking out. It's a good time. You may, in the background from time to time, hear this week's game still playing on the TV. It's one of those games where even if there's not a game actively running, if the uh, console is turned on, the game makes noise. Can you guess what game it is? Don't bother, because I'm going to tell you here in a couple of minutes. Let's see. Not much out of the news desk this week. We could do a Mad Mike update. That's always fun. Mad Mike Hughes, of course, is the limo driver from California who is on a quest to make money. He was, at one point, on a quest to prove that the Earth is flat. And he still pays lip service to that, but he hasn't done a whole lot of proving. He had built a rocket, homemade rocket apparently, to launch himself into space, ostensibly for the purpose of taking photos that would prove that the Earth is flat, that the scientists have been lying to us for all these generations, I uh, guess, to make money. And he was going to prove that it, it's not, that it's flat, that it's not a, a globe. Why, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why he's so upset about this. I don't know why anybody's upset about this. Uh, just accept that the world is round. It's okay, guys. But he wanted to prove that it's not, that it's flat, until he didn't want to prove that anymore. He still talks about it, but mostly now what he does is uh, invite you to give him money. Uh, either by pe- buying pieces of the rocket, or t-shirts, stuff like that. He's promoting a movie called Rocket Man that apparently is being made about him. Uh, I guess there's also supposed to be a documentary coming out. One Man is what that's called. I don't... Uh, maybe he did announce... I guess he did announce uh, a release date for one of those. Let's see if I can find it here. Mad Mike Hughes, One Man is the documentary. I think I mentioned this last week on the show. In June 8, he posted a teaser trailer for the documentary. Uh, the Rocket Man documentary. Confused what the difference is between Rocket Man and One Man. That is the most recent thing that he has posted. For a while, he was preoccupied with building a boat to go really, really fast. Uh, he wanted to break some sort of boat speed record or something. So yeah, so at the moment, he mostly just seems to be making, uh, trying to make money. So as we speak, the world continues to be round. The voices of the dragons who live at the edge of the flat earth continue to be silenced. It's all very tragic. So if I forget to look for the uh, Mad Mike Hughes documentary and one of you guys happens to see it, let me know. Uh, maybe uh, send me a little review because, to be honest, even if I do see it somewhere, I'm probably not going to bother watching it. But you never know. I might be in the mood to do that. All right, and that is this week's Mad Mike Hughes update. Man, I've been doing these updates for months and I still feel like I need a jingle there. Someone has some ideas for uh, some music I could play there. Let me know. And in other news this week... Uh, man, I have no other news. I hope your 4th of July was, uh, lovely, if you celebrate in any manner. It's kind of one of those holidays that's not a holiday, uh, right? You're, and you're acknowledging the independence of America, and that's all lovely, and, uh, patriotism and not, and whatnot. But it's not like, um, you know, a big religious holiday, or a big holiday to, to give presents, or, I guess you're acknowledging the birth of a country, but not necessarily, like, a birthday of a person in your family, or something like that. It's really just a day for most people to use to uh, have a picnic. 
or, well, frankly, drink beer. Uh, for some people, I mean, they, they get into the patriotism thing and, uh, you know, honoring, obviously, honoring uh, veterans and stuff. That's all important. But, I mean, I feel like you should do that every day. Uh, I don't know why we need to stop everything on July 4th and do all that stuff. But that's just me. All right, let's get on to this week's game, which you're dying to know now because you've been trying to guess if, in fact, you can hear uh, the game in the background. If you can't, well, then you probably just don't really care all that much, but you're here anyway, so I might as well tell you what this week's game is. This week's game is Pooyan from Konami. Uh, Of course, it was an arcade game from Konami. Uh, They licensed it to Stern Electronics in North America, and an Atari port was done up there in 1982. And still, I ha- until I started looking at this game, I bought this game. I-, I don't remember how long ago. No idea what it was. No idea what Puyon means. Didn't quite know what I was getting myself into. But of course, I know now, uh, as most of you probably know, Puyon just means uh, pigs, piglets. This is a pig-based story. What other pig-based games do we have? There is the Three Pigs game. I did it on the show. What was it called? Because you're, you're a pig trying to build your house uh, while the big bad wolf is trying to knock it down. Uh, that's embarrassing. I should know what that's called. Let's see. Uh, well, this isn't it, but uh, there's Pigs in Space that I did for Jim Henson's birthday uh, in September 2017. Episode 87 was, of course, a game based on the recurring sketch from The Muppet Show, Pigs in Space. Oink! That was it. I did it on the show in September 2016, uh, episode 35. Don't think... I've done any other pig-based... Are there pigs in Amadar? I think there are, aren't there? Uh, there's the gorilla. Yeah. Isn't it he a gorilla being chased? Aren't you a... Uh, no, you're a paint roller. Maybe you're a gorilla first. And then you're a paint roller. And you're being chased by pigs. I think. Episode 14. Amadar! My old nemesis. Cubert uh, looks... If you squint and are slightly tipsy, looks a little bit like a pig or a warthog or something. A little bit. I don't know. Are there any other pig-based games? No, it doesn't matter because we're playing the best of them all. I'll just declare right here. Called Pooyan. Certainly the best name. The manual tells us, One day in the middle of a forest, a group of fierce wolves attacked the house where a mother pig, parentheses, mama, close parentheses, and her little piglets, parentheses, Puyans, close parentheses. How do you say mama pig in Japanese, I wonder, and why didn't they do that? Anyway, we're living together peacefully. This must be a prequel to uh, The Three Little Pigs, perhaps. Or perhaps a sequel that we don't know about. Return of the Wolves. This time it's personal. Or something. To protect her Puyans, Mama fought back using arrows and bait. Interesting thing in the manual, they never actually say what the bait is. Other reviews of the game have, I guess, sort of assumed it's meat, but maybe it's not. Maybe uh, the wolves like cauliflower, or soft cheeses, or, I don't know, Reese's Pieces. Whatever. Why do we just assume it's meat? So Mama fought back using arrows and bait, but despite all her efforts, some of the Puyans were kidnapped, full of hate for the wolves. Mama Bear, uh, Mama Bear, that'd be a whole different game. Mama bravely seeks out the wolves' lair, to rescue her Puyans, will she succeed in overcoming the wolves and bringing her Puyans back home? Uh, so we're using the joystick for this. For a solo game, use the left-hand controller, level only. When playing with a partner, player one uses the left-hand level uh, lever. They call it a lever in here. Player two, the right. 
Press the right button on the control lever to start the game. When playing with a partner, players take turns, starting with the player on the left. You cannot begin the game from the player on the right. Don't even try. Move the mother period by pushing the control lever up or down. When playing with the... Yeah, that's the thing. You can go up or down. You cannot go left or right. It's kind of frustrating. When playing with a partner, the player on the left has a white pig. The player on the right is a red one. Press the red button to shoot arrows and bait from the mother pig. Use the game select switch to choose your game. The game number is displayed in the center of the upper part of the screen. You can select a solo or partner game and vary the degrees of difficulty. And by vary they mean slow or fast. It's a little bit like uh, Henry Ford who uh, pioneered the assembly line method of manufacturing cars and famously told people, you can have whatever color you want as long as it's black. Press the red button to shoot arrows and bait from the mother pig. I might have said that already, but you know what? It's important. If you press the game select button during the course of a game, the play will return to the ready status and you can select a new game. So, games one through four are the slow games. Uh, They alternate. Game one and three are one-player games. Two and four are two-player games. The trajectory of the wolves' stones actually in any of the eight games, are either horizontal or parabolic. I guess are horizontal or parabolic in games one and two, or just parabolic in games three and four. This might be the first time ever in an Atari game manual that I've seen the word parabolic. Kudos to you. Games five through eight are the uh, fast level games. I did not do that for the field report. I thought it would be easier on me to talk to you while I was playing if I played on the slow level. But games... Five and seven are fast and are one player. Six and eight are two player fast games. Five and six are trajectory of wolves stones, are horizontal or parabolic. And in seven and eight, they're just parabolic. Frankly, I don't think your game uh, enjoyment is affected either way. There are two scenes, and then they hopefully add in parentheses one and two in this game. And they follow on from each other alternatively as one scene has been completed. The scene number is displayed in the center of the upper part of the screen while the start melody is being played. Scene 1 is at the pig's house. Moving the mother pig, Mama, up and down using control lever, tried to burst the workers' workers, I think that's probably supposed to be wolves, balloons with arrows as they come floating down into the valley. Down in the valley, the valley so low. I added that part. My Patreon donations are going to skyrocket with all my singing. You can also make the wolves fall by throwing the bait they that appears at the top right-hand side of the valley. Oh, maybe that's what that is. In the field report, I complained because these half a hamster buns were falling on me. Maybe that's what that was supposed to be, but I don't know how I was supposed to throw it. I'm very confused. When the wolves try to grab the bait, they let go of their balloons and fall into the valley. At the same time, the wolves defend themselves with shields and attack by throwing stones. If you allow the wolves to float safely down to the bottom of the valley, they will climb up the steps and attack the mother pig from behind. Scene 2 takes place in the Wolf Valley. In this scene, the wolves float up from the bottom of the valley, parentheses, Wolf Valley, close parentheses, with their balloons, and the mother pig tries to stop them by using arrows and bait, as in the previous scene. When six wolves have safely reached the top, they can start dropping large rocks down on the mother pig. To prevent them from doing this, you must get rid of the flashing, quote, boss wolf. The boss wolf, which is what they called me in college, will appear when there are only five wolves left. If you fail to get the boss wolf, five more wolves will float up. At the start, 30 wolves will appear in scene one, after which you will automatically change to scene two, regardless of the score. Following this, 
the number of wolves appearing in each scene will increase one each time the scene changes. In both scene one and scene two, the color of the valley floor will change from yellow to green when there are only five workers left. Again, I think they meant wolves. To take the bait that appears at the top right-hand side of the valley, first move the mother pig up to the level of the bait, release the lever, and then push it upwards once more. When she's got the bait, the mother pig turns red. I can't speak to how easy this is, because like I said, I totally forgot about it when I was playing in the field report, so my apologies. And then there's a whole section in this manual called Mistakes, which I don't think I've ever seen in a manual either. The following are mistakes, and you lose one mother pig. Dumbass. I added that part. If the mother pig is hit by one of the wolf's stones, if the mother pig is eaten from behind by a wolf, if the mother pig has a rock dropped on her from above, if you fail to call your mother on a regular basis, if you don't pay your taxes on time, if you eat too many fatty foods, if you... Oh, sorry, I got distracted there. I was reading the list that my wife gave me. Sorry about that. If you hit a balloon wolf stone with an arrow or the bait you score, or, or, what? I'm going to start that over. If you hit a balloon slash wolf slash stone with an arrow or the bait, you score the following points. Balloon only is worth 5 points. Wolf holding a balloon is worth 20 if you hit it with an arrow, and 80 if you hit it with the bait. Stone thrown by wolf gets you 10 points if you hit it with an arrow, and, well, same thing. 10 points if you hit it with the bait. When throwing the bait, it is possible to hit more than one wolf or stone at the same time. However, the bait will bounce off the balloons. The score will be displayed up to a maximum of 999,995. The game ends uh, after you lose all three of your mother pigs. When you score more than 5,000 points, you get an extra pig, but the display can only show up to four pigs. When you want to play the game again, first check the game number and then press the red button on the control lever or use the reset button. Why don't they call the control lever a joystick? kind of bugging me. Um, but it's okay, because that's the end of the manual, and now I can call the joystick whatever I want. Okay, and that is how you play Puyon. Our friend Wikipedia tells us Puyon was ported to the Atari 2600, the Atari 8-bit family, Colored Computer 2, Commodore 64, Sword M5, MSX, Apple II, Tandy TRS-80, Tomy Tutor, and the Famicom. The Famicom port was also released for the Wii's virtual console, only in Japan. Puyon was also included on a compilation disc, Konami Arcade Classics, for the PlayStation. An emulated version of the game was released in 2006 for PlayStation 2 in Japan. As part of the Oritachi Gesen Zoku Senu series. A board game was created by Ideal in 1983, incorporating a pinball-style shooting mechanism. Cool. If anyone has that, let me know. There's a series of extra ops in Metal Gear Solid. Peace Walker, known as the Puyon Missions, which involves shooting Fulton surface-to-air recovery balloons carrying abducted soldiers off into the air. Sound effects and music from the arcade game are used throughout the mission. A largely identical bootleg was sold under the name Putan. Homebrew clones for the ColecoVision and VIC-20 were released in 2009 and 2013, respectively. Puyon was one of the video games based for manga title titled Famicom Rocky, published by Koro Koro Comics from 85 to 87. Mama Pig from Puyon was made cameo appearances along in the panel manga Konami 4 Koma Manga YY World, part of the Famicom Runners High. According to Wikipedia, David Hartsman of Rochester, New York, scored a world record 1,609,250 points on the arcade version of Puyon on December 16, 1983. The video game critic 
observes that Puyan suffers terribly when compared to the arcade original. Uh, and I'm going to take video game critics' word for it, because I never played the arcade original, I guess. He says that the arcade version was known for its beautifully rendered fairy tale characters, funny animations, and terrific harmonized music. 2600 version is Puyan by name alone. Starts off okay, but once the action's underway, it's a lost cause. You control a blob, allegedly a pig. Uh, I take issue with that. I think the pig actually looks okay for uh, an Atari game. The original game was brimming with personality, but none of that is reflected in this half-assed translation. The main problem is the horrendously choppy animation. Not only is it hard on the eyes, but it eliminates the sharpshooting element that marked the original game. The big-headed wolves look okay on the ground, but when hanging on balloons, they look more like stick figures. I agree with that. The wolves actually do look better than they do when they start floating on the balloons. Sound effects are limited to sporadic bleeps. Puyan does offer four skill levels and two-player matches, but it's like trying to put lipstick on a pig. I guess I'm hampered a little bit by the fact that I never played the arcade version. I, I might feel differently about this game. Uh, preview. I'm going to say nice things about this in a couple of minutes that maybe I wouldn't say if I was comparing it to the arcade version. All right. After the break, little pig, little pig, let me tell a story. Not by the hair of your chinny chin chin, eh? Well, fine. Tell it to my buddy butt butt. I shouldn't have eaten that potato salad yesterday at the picnic. One, because potato salad is disgusting. Seriously. Why would you mess up potatoes turning them into a salad? Yuck. And two, it sat in Gator's trunk all day. Ugh, man. I had the weirdest dream last night. There were these pigs. And these wolves, and they flying around on balloons, and they had shields, and the pig had a had a bow and arrow. It was crazy, man. Wait. Wait. Why do you have a snout? Wait. Are you a pig? Is this all real? Why do you have that bow and arrow, Gator? Why are you a pig named Gator? Ah! Uh, even on the slow level, I'm not doing very well. 
I'm trying to talk to you folks while I play. And the wolves keep coming up from behind to eat me, which sounds really naughty. Um, the stones, you know, I said stuff looks good, and it does. Uh, the stones don't, they just look like little rectangles. Uh, and I can't figure out what these strawberries that keep popping up are. Whoa! squashed me. What is that? I read the manual, but I don't know what that was. That was weird. Uh, so yeah, there it is again. What the heck? I'm gonna have to look at the manual again, I guess. I've probably already answered that question by the time you're hearing this field report. That was the end of the game. Now the wolves are doing a chorus line up at the top of the screen. Uh, in one corner at the top of the screen, there's somebody who looks like he's fishing? A leftover from fishing derby? Apparently, I don't understand that either. And then there's blue at the bottom of the screen. I didn't mention that. Just like water, I guess. Maybe that's what the uh, maybe that's what is at the bottom of the valley. I don't know. I have more thoughts about this probably, and I will share those with you momentarily. In the meantime, back to you in the studio. So here's the thing about Puyan. As I noted, I've never played the arcade version, which I gather was quite fun and quite good-looking. That said, especially since when I picked this thing up, I had no idea what it was. I didn't know what Puyon meant. I had no idea what the game was. But now that I have played it and read a little bit about it, I really like this game. I do. It's fun. And, you know, understanding that it probably doesn't look as good as the arcade version, I think it looks good. It's not perfect, certainly, but I think it looks good. I think it's fun. I think the wolves floating through the air and you have to shoot the balloons but the wolves have shields that they can block you with block your shots with i think that's all good i think even the slow version which i was playing for the field report is fairly challenging having only played it a little bit i honestly i got no complaints i am shockingly happy with this game uh, and i will probably play it some more i'm gonna get henry to play it i think he would like it too if any of you feel differently of course let me know as always i also think this game about this mama pig going after the wolves who are harassing her kids is great fodder for a story, which is what we love around here at the podcast. We like to review the games, but mostly we like the story, whether they give us a story or whether we make it up here at the show. So this week's story is called Weaponized Pork. Once upon a time, there were three little pigs, and they were bad mothers. Hold on, you know what? That's true, but the baddest mother in the pig pen was old mama pig, and she was called Punch-Out Porker from her days on the women's wrestling circuit. Punch-Out didn't want her three little deers to move out of the porker compound. The Bid Bad Wolf Society was fueled by a vicious hatred of guacamole, despite public scorn of such a thing. But they also didn't like the pigs very much. But Mama Pig's little piglets were insistent. Killer, her oldest Puyan, built a house of straw. Butch built one of sticks. Punch-Out Porker's third little piggy, Walter, first built his house out of cinnamon dram tractors, on account of they were really yummy. Walter, for many reasons, was the piggy Punch-Out worried about most. But then some people from a cable fixer-upper show convinced him to upgrade to brick. They also gave him a pig height, huge island in the kitchen, a gorgeous backsplash, and an open floor plan on top of that. It was quite lovely. Then one of the big bad wolves showed up, and in a partnership with a boorish businessman with the skill to spin straw into gold, spun Killer's straw house into a gold house, complete with golden toilet, molded just right for a wolf's tushy. 
Oh, fun side note. That businessman went on to become President Rumpel J. Stiltskin. True story. Anyway, the wolf set his sights on Butch's stick house. Butch, to his credit, did a good job of lashing the sticks together with Twizzlers pull and peel candies. He's always had a weird obsession with Hansel and Gretel's gingerbread house. Butch's house withstood the wolf's halitosis a bit longer than Killer's, but eventually it fell too. Butch and Killer then fled to Walter's house. The fixer-upper show did great, except that during a commercial break for toilet paper, they forgot to double-check the foundation. Too busy working on the barbecue pit, I guess. So the wolf was able to blow the house right into the next county. Now, you might assume the wolves would eat the pigs on the spot, right? They're wolves. The Bidwood Wolf Society, though, was committed to a vegetarian diet, except for guacamole, of course. But even though they wouldn't eat the pigs, they did... Oh, all right, they ate a lot of pigs, actually. Roast pig, grilled pig, pig tartare. But they would not do so without the perfect side dish. Once again, not guacamole. So, instead of gobbling down Killer, Butch, and Walter right there, the wolves captured them and dragged them back to the secret hideout in the building that used to be home to the Bid Bad Wolf Howl Tell and Howl Nightclub. The big sign out front should have told you. It was, in retrospect, perhaps not the best choice for a wolf hideout. So that's when Punch-Out Porter swung into action. Literally. Owing to an Activision obsession, her whole house was decorated in the style of classic video game Pitfall. When she heard her puyans were pork-napped, she grabbed a vine and swung over the sofa. She scooped up her bow and quiver of arrows, wolf bait of her own concoction strapped to each one. Walter had once asked why she needed to bait the arrows if she was going to shoot the wolves with them. Did the bait somehow make the wolves run toward the arrows? She told him to stop bothering her. Walter asked an annoying number of questions. It was quite exhausting. But Punch-Out would give anything to hear one of Walter's questions again. Just one more time. Well, except for the one time that Walter had asked when he was little why Puyan and Pooty both started with Poo and also what's Pooty. But now, today, if only she could see little Walter again, she'd never tell him he was an annoyance ever again. <sighs> well, no time for that now. Now that this porter was packing heat, which could have been the spicy barbecue, but it was probably the bait-laden crossbow, the bazooka, and the entire set of Ginsu steak knives hidden on her purse in God knows where, Punch-Out headed for the valley that was home to the wolves' hideout. Stupid wolves. As Punch-Out approached the hideout, fake pass at the ready, wolves were already beginning to flee, rising out of the valley on their balloons. Punch-Out took out three balloons with her bow, the wolves falling into the valley like well, a, a valley full of wet cement. Out of the corner of her eye, she saw trouble and whirled around just in time to see a dazed wolf. Your bow, he said. I like your arrows. I want to lick them. The wolf seemed to be entranced. Guess those bait arrows really work. So Punch-Out lived up to her name and decked the evil, helplessly confused wolf. A volley of stones rained down on Punch-Out. She took cover behind a chicken bush near the front entrance of the hideout. Yes, chicken bushes. Did we mention the wolves were kind of stupid? Little wolves, little wolves, let me come in, Punch-Out called mockingly. Not by the hairs of our ginny-chin, a wolf called down from the top floor. And I just shaved, he added for no apparent reason. Me too, Punch-Out snarled. Then I'll huff and I'll puff and... Sorry, hold on. <sighs> she took a puff from her asthma inhaler. Was there something weird with the air pressure in the valley or something? Once she collected herself, she started bashing heads. 
As she crashed Wolfhead against Wolfhead, she sang Ballroom Blitz at the top of her lungs, creating her own battle montage. Eventually, she stepped over the last Canis Lupus as she approached the room where the Puyan were being held. The three were chained by the, chained by the snouts in the Wolf's TV room. Hey, BBW, Punch-Out called. Few people know that the head of the Big Bad Wolf Society is actually named Big Bad Wolf, or BBW for short. Hey, BBW, Punch-Out called again. I'm taking my kids home. Now. A snarling voice rang through the rafters. Seriously, sound leaked like a sieve through this old building. They could really use those fixer-upper people. Well, I guess that makes sense, the voice said. She can bring home the bacon. But can she fry it up in a pan? BBW strolled into the room, fangs bared, tail bushy, golden baddest sash, neatly pressed. Now, Killer leapt and uh, Killer shouted and leapt at BBW. Butch oinked a cry of rage, because he was still chained to him, and jumped to his brother's side. They both got their curly-tailed behinds handed to them, unfortunately. But then there was Walter. Nerdy, quiet, let's just say it, kind of stupid. Walter. Do you really think you can stop me, puny porcine fart? BBW said. No, Walter admitted, but then pointed a trembling hoof at BBW. You're going to stop yourself. Few people know that wolves have poor circulation, which means their paws are always cold. Consequently, they have, over time, developed an addiction to hand warmers. Even fewer people know that pigs have the power to rewire hand warmers. Walter, in fact, was a master at it. He had saved a bundle on the brick house remodel by doing all the wiring for the surround sound speakers himself. He loved Pink Floyd's song, Pigs. And so Walter had rigged BBW's hand warmers, which meant that in 3, 2, 1, foom, BBW burst into flames. Later, the three pig brothers moved into the brick house. Each had his own room and private slop room. Punch-Out Porter enjoyed her peaceful retirement. Until one day, Walter's piggy daddy, Piglet, showed up. Punch-Out assumed he needed more slop. He was always coming around for handouts. But actually, he was just there to tell Punch-Out that there was some weird crap going down in the hundred-acre wood. Punch-Out nodded gravely. She did have some unfinished business there. Not to get too deep into it, but... There's a reason that Tigger is the only one of his kind. But that, as they say, is a story for another time. And that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcasters, but you know that by now. But whatever you do, wherever you listen, please remember to leave a review on iTunes. Whatever your feelings about guacamole are, or potato salad, iTunes doesn't really care. But if you have feelings about this podcast, please share them with the folks at iTunes. You all know how this works by now, right? More reviews means the algorithm goes all squee on the podcast and helps more people find it. And that's what we want. You can also support the show financially by going to our Atari Bytes Patreon page. And I really hope that you will consider doing that. Usually, this, at this point, I mentioned the Zazzle.com store. Uh, I've been thinking more about the Zazzle store and what's there and what I want to do with it. And I pretty much decided I don't know what I want to do with it. So I'm going to be taking that down uh, pretty soon. If you are looking forward to ordering something from there, uh, at the moment you still can as I'm recording this. But don't be surprised if at some point the store goes away for a while while I kind of retool things. So... If you have thoughts on what you would like, 
t-shirts, uh, mugs, those are the classic items. But there's other stuff you're interested in or designs that you have feel strongly about. Let me know because I'm rethinking all of that. Uh, the website for the show is ataribytes.libson.com. You can email us at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. You can like the Atari Bytes Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And don't forget to check out my occasional weirdness on Instagram. Don't forget to also, while you're checking things out that relate to me, go listen to It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, where you will find potentially anything you ever wanted to know or experience in the Peanuts universe. No, not the Legumes, the uh, classic comic strip. Charlie Brown, Snoopy, Linus, Woodstock, Lucy, Patty, Peppermint Patty, Marcy, uh, the whole gang. We talk about all of them as well as the mind of the brilliant cartoonist Charles M. Schultz. It's all there. Uh, Animated stuff, books, merchandise, we cover everything. So go check that out if you're even mildly interested in Snoopy and the gang. And be sure, again, to tell your friends, because everybody, even if you're not that person, everybody has a friend who is big time into Snoopy and the gang. So tell them about the show. New episodes drop on the 15th of every month. All right. Now's the time when we say, next time on Atari Bytes, Mega Force. Don't really know what that game is either. I'm going to guess it's some sort of a force. And it's not minor, it's Mega. Or it has a really high opinion of itself. We'll find out. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.